to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levane, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer. I had never seen Doctor Who until I started this podcast, and now, of course, I can't stop. I love the show, and every week I look forward to sitting down, watching a new episode, and then discussing that episode with an expert, somebody that has just a wealth of knowledge, especially compared to me, a first-timer. And this week, we're talking about The Poison Sky, which is episode five of series four. And I had to. We talked about the Suntorum stratagem, and it was a two-parter. So she had to join me for this. Jenny Faye Barry is back. Welcome back, Jenny. Yay! Glad to be back. Very glad to have you back, because we kind of left in a big cliffhanger, and we, we, we needed to conclude it. We did. What was going to happen to Donna's family? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, there, there, it was one of two options. Uh, but before we jump into that option, as always, dear listener, if you have not seen The Poison Sky, now is a perfect time to pause the podcast, go watch the episode, because inevitably, in the course of our conversation, we will reveal the plot, and we don't want to spoil you. So with that disclaimer out of the way... There were two options. He was either going to make it and be the hero doctor that we know, or he was going to try and fail, and we were going to have more carnage surrounding the poor doctor because he does bring death. There, There is that, unfortunately. <laughs> so I was a little nervous. Uh, fortunately, uh, he actually fails. Like, Had he it did. been up to him, it would have he would have failed, and Donna's uh, dear old grandpa would have passed but you know donna's mom not a huge fan of the doctor but she just smashes through that windshield and saves her saves her father with an axe which donna yeah, the, was surprised she had the the humans this time were not going to take it they were tired of it they're like especially her mom she's like your doctor's always getting you in trouble forget this i'm just gonna break a window right so she she saves the day, uh, thank goodness, because I, I love I love him. He's I really so sweet. Do. Wilfred is so sweet. His relationship with Donna is just so wonderful, and you know, definitely a better relationship than Donna seems to have with her mom, which is you know contentious at best. He's extremely supportive. He's supportive of you know her figuring out her way in the world because she's still. Even though she's an adult, she's still trying to figure out what she wants to do with mm -hmm. her life. And he's very supportive of her relationship with the doctor. And, uh, you know, he, he believes the doctor, even though Sylvia, her mom, does not. Right. And he's just, he's good natured. And uh, I just, I love him. I just think he's just a very fun person. I'd love for him to be my grandpa. <laughs> um, you know, I would hang out and play checkers with him and talk about aliens with him. He'd be great. Um, so you definitely don't want anything to happen to Wilfred. Uh, definitely not. And I, I mean, jumping ahead in the episode, he does have that whole moment where it's like Donna said, you know, the doctor's going to take care of everything and I trust her. Yep. You know, so like he, he knew it was going to be okay because he put his trust in Donna, who put her trust in the doctor. Uh, so it was, it was just, as always, of course, you know, the doctor would eventually save the day. So there was no doubt there. But it was nice to see that, you know, Wilford's granddaughter, like, 
pull through so that, you know, it's something that he can be proud of. Uh, and in a little bit, you know, she didn't specifically imply it, but even, you know, Donna's mom seemed to be a little proud of the fact that, you know, her daughter helped kind of save the world. Absolutely. And Donna needs that from Sylvia because she just, she doesn't seem to give Donna a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And Donna's been through some stuff. You know, her wedding was not exactly what she planned. Her, um, her, her fiance <laughs> was not particularly yeah. great. <laughs> there, there, there was some not great moments in her past. Um, so she really kind of needs to show that redemption to her mom. Um, as we all are trying to make our parents proud mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, I think uh, Donna is still trying to do that as an adult. And she, her grandfather is proud of her regardless of whatever happens. You know, he's just that grandfather's like, look at my grandchild. She's wonderful. Um, and Sylvia's like, ah, you're screwing up again, aren't you? And <laughs> she, she, needs, she needs to have her mom see her um, as somebody who's doing good. Yeah, definitely. I, I did have a moment, though, where I thought, is, is this really going to be the end? Because, you know, there was once again that moment, and this time it was not played for laughs, but, it, you know, it, it feels like Donna is very much on the fence. You know, she's enjoying mm-hmm. her time with the doctor, but she's, you know, she's much more in tune with her emotions uh, and very emotional, uh, much more so than Rose or Martha have been so far. Well, and she's not infatuated with the doctor. There's no romance factor for her. Right. So there's no part of her going, oh, but he's pretty. Like there's there's <laughs> no part of her that is staying with him for that potential, hey, this could this could be my guy thing. Right. She's purely enjoying her time with him um, as just a, an adventure in her life. But she still knows that she's going to have a life on Earth. Um, so she never wants to risk it so much that she can't come back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's definitely a friendship. Like you, mm-hmm. you know that she's going back because she appreciates her connection to the doctor and she appreciates the connection back, you know, and, uh, and that they're both clearly very much, uh, friends with each other and appreciate each other's presence. Uh, and you know, in this episode, she, she plays a huge role in allowing the doctor to to save the the world you know she is in no small part the reason that the doctor is able to succeed absolutely donna you will find um the more that we see of her like she is a very different companion um than what we've seen so far and the story arc that is given to her is just amazing and it's great to see so many different types of companions because there are so many different types of people in the world. Mm -hmm. And those companions truly are the part of the story that we get to play as the viewer. Um, I I think they really bring out that human aspect of the doctor and we all kind of like, Oh, I'm a Martha or I'm a Rose or I'm a Donna. Um, And everybody has a little bit that they can relate to uh in in each of the companions but she's a very very different companion than we've seen so far um very very strong but also compassionate and emotional and cares about her family and has a different dynamic um rose was happy to be like bye mom bye mickey whatever you know um martha still had her family but she was also very infatuated with the doctor at first um and and donna just she's very balanced um, 
and is also very worried about the doctor's state of mind and taking care of him um, and making certain that mentally and emotionally he is okay, um, which is something very, very important about her that she cares about him so much in that way. It's like I said, you know, the, she cherishes that friendship and, you know, the, the, the reward for the friendship is these adventures that they go on, which are, you know, genuinely scary to her uh, and sometimes a little overwhelming. Which, you know, it, like you mentioned, Rose was that impulsive young girl that's mm-hmm. clearly, you know, she was trying to run away from home to find her own way in the world. Martha, it was that sort of adventurous, you know, mysterious man that attracted her. You know, she was much more attracted to the doctor than the adventure, whereas Rose started as anything but my normal everyday life. Mm -hmm. And Martha went to, okay, this is somebody very interesting, and I want to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, Donna is neither. Donna is you know much more mature, so she's not like Rose trying to run away from home, uh, and she's not looking for the doctor to make her whole in the romantic sense. Mm-hmm. She just wants to know her place. She just wants to be a part of something that she can finally feel is her own and not forced upon her by her mom or forced upon her by mm-hmm. her circumstances. So I really enjoy that. Uh, that the differences between the three and what they bring. Uh, and and she's like just said, looking for a mate. She wants <laughs> right. a mate. And like we said, she, she definitely uh, helps out on this episode. Um, but then there's Martha, whom we, we see, but we don't see through most yeah. of this episode. And I have a theory, but I'm going to ask you, and then I'll mm-hmm. share my theory. When do you think the doctor realized that that Martha was not his Martha. I, I, I truly think he knew all along and he was just trying to use her to get information. Mm-hmm. Um, because of him being a time Lord, I think it's very easy for him to sense what's human, what's not human. Mm. And there would have been things about his Martha that he would have recognized and humanistic things about her that this Martha just was much more peculiar. The fact that she wasn't concerned about her family immediately. Mm-hmm. He just kind of let it go. But I think that was very much a key factor um, for him. Like when he asked that question, like he's like, oh yeah, you're not Martha. Yeah. I, I think by that point, uh, my theory is that he recognized right away as the threat was happening and her response was so cold and you know she was definitely a soldier she was definitely there to get the job done but that's not that's not the martha that he knew Mm-mm. so I, I i think the moment he walked in and saw what was happening in the face of what was happening in the world he realized that wasn't martha and that line of questioning was more or less to confirm what he knew Mm -hmm. uh, and using, you know, his heightened senses, like you said, and his, you know, in this episode, he even uh, displays that, that sense of smell that we've seen in previous episodes that 
you, you know, it's like, you smell that, that it, it smells like metal, he says at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so he, he was able to use the, his heightened sense of, uh, senses to really determine, okay, this is clearly not Martha. Um, but as always, you know, there's so much going on in the doctor's mind that, you know, that was like, okay, that is problem 397 right now. Mm-hmm. Problem, you know, 470 is more important. So we're going to focus on that. But we'll, we'll get back to Don. Uh, we'll get back to Martha as soon as we can. Well, and having dealt with them before, it also makes you wonder if he's known that they've done this before. Mm-hmm. So does he know that the other Martha is out there? Does he know that she's safe because she has to be in order for the clone to be okay? Like, there was a little bit of implication to that so yeah yeah. so i'm sure there's a lot more that he's like okay as long as i keep this one all right she's fine i'll I'll get to her um (laughs) so let's take care of this other stuff first and then i'll take care of martha as soon as i get these other things sorted um so i'll just play along and let her think i'm dumb (laughs) right right and I, I, I loved how there was that moment, uh, and again, we're jumping around in the episode, but there was that moment where Martha got to face Martha mm-hmm. and kind of see her own death in a weird way. You know, she's like sitting there. So sad. Right. So Martha is sort of easing the other Martha into her passing. Uh, and they have, you know, that conversation is like, well, you have my memory, so you, you know how important my family is. And uh, it, I just thought it was a kind of a touching moment for a character that turned out to be not as malicious as she could have been. You know, she could have been that evil clone that's trying to, you know, hell bent to help her masters and destroy everything. And instead, she was just kind of, you know, this necessary thing for the, Santaram to to use but she had a very strong connection to martha and because of how strong martha is she was kind of not as evil as she could have been yeah she didn't she she really was just there for that purpose um i think they they couldn't really use her for evil because martha doesn't have that in her Mm -hmm. um so there was no way for them to use her for anything but okay, well, she knows how to access this, so we can get access to that. Um, but they they couldn't use her for anything necessarily that would have been, you know, any brutality or anything like that because it's just not who Martha is. Right. Um, and it was a very, very sweet and sad moment that she had there at the end. Um, but, you know, being so, it also gave them some more information because the clone confided in her then um, what the gas was that they knew what the Centaurans were planning on doing mm. um, and making uh, the Earth a, a farm, basically, for their clones. Mm. So by, by showing her that compassion at the end, the real Martha showed her the, that compassion, it made the clone kind of realize, oh, I should, I should kind of tell you what's going on. <laughs> you're, really, you're really not the bad people these other guys are. Um, and it just, you know, it, it showed... The clone, even though she had been doing bad things, you're not the bad people these other folks were. Right. It it just it was a sweet moment, and of course, you know, it it, it serves to give so give us the the full plan, the full birth of what the Santaram were up to, uh, which you know we we've kind of seen this before. I mean the 
the the first episode in this series has a race trying to use Earth as an incubator. They just love doing that to us, man. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like you know, I although I would prefer having, you know, fat sucked out of my body and turned into a cute little guy. They're so cute. I would totally like <laughs> have an adipose for a pet. Come on. Uh, you know, so between that and having, you know, a baked potato walking around, I'll take the adipus uh, any day of the week. Mm -hmm. But the baked potatoes, they're so I funny. Mean, right. Like you eat the baked potatoes to get the adipus. That's uh, true. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a cause and effect here. Uh, it wasn't very hungry when they wrote this season. They were <laughs> on a very cleanser. weight conscience. They're on a cleanse. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> They're like, okay, instead of running, I'm just going to write this and feel better about myself, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. <laughs> but I, I love the, you know, the idea that, you know, once again, an alien species is going to try to wipe out humanity uh, just so that they can use our planet as an incubator. Uh, and, uh, you know, we haven't talked about him yet, but I thought the, the Luke Radigan character was, mm -hmm. you know, he had a presence since last week's episode, but, you know, it was just kind of that, you know, I'm, I'm a genius and I'm so smart and look at me and I've, you know, been willingly or unwittingly, uh, helping the bad guys. And in this, in this episode, we really see that he was absolutely conscious of, uh, you know, aware of what their motives mm -hmm. were. And he was doing it, you know, because of his own self-serving needs. But I loved the fact that, you know, he goes back to his, quote unquote, his army, his people. Mm -hmm. And they immediately turned on him. Yeah. Because of the, the thing that we've been talking about for some of our uh, uh, companions. You know, the as smart as these people were, they're like, but our families, mm -hmm. we got to go help our families, our, our friends, yeah. you know, our loved ones. And this guy, like, completely disconnected from humanity because clearly he has nobody that he wants to care for because he's so jaded about everything, just couldn't comprehend it and, like, you know, loses his stuff and points a gun at them, you know, mm -hmm. as if that was going to do anything so self-involved only looking at at what he wants and not understanding that yeah that's not what everybody wants mm -hmm. which you know i i've been doing a lot of this uh as as i've been watching the episodes i know that i'm watching them completely out of time you know this episode aired mm -hmm. in 2008 uh, in may of 2008 and here we are I'm watching it in July of 2021. And, you know, there is a little bit of resonance to that character and some of what is happening in our real world right now. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody that is so careless that, you know, it doesn't matter what their actions do to other people. It is all about their self-serving needs and their, you know, selfish end that I kind of like that he had that sort of moment of clarity at the end and, you know, gave himself up for the greater good. I wish that would happen more. <laughs> well, we need the intervention of the doctor, right? Because it, right, it, right. is, it is ultimately, you know, him watching the doctor decide to sacrifice himself 
in the face of two people that deeply care for the doctor. One because of past history, one because, you know, that's my mate. That's my friend. That's mm-hmm. my, you know. But, and and so, he was betrayed by those that he thought were going to do something for him. So now he's realized that they lied to him and all those promises that they gave him were lies. So now he can get back at them by destroying them. Right. He, he can right two wrongs. He can show mm-hmm. the world that, you know, he was not completely without remorse. And at the same time, he revenge. can take right vengeance. Uh, <laughs> revenge. So he, he has he has a, still a little nasty side to him, but in the end, it worked out in our advantage. Well, but I mean, the the doctor, uh, we, and it seems weird that the doctor decides to take on that plight because yeah. knowing what the doctor knows, he knows that the Santorum are not going to give a crap. They're not going to listen to a threat. But he has to give him an option. He always does. I and and I think yeah. that's you know it, it, in last week's episode we talked about how good this Antarum's weakness is, mm-hmm. uh, or the doctor says that, and in this mm-hmm. week we see that's the doctor's weakness. Yeah, the, you know that yeah. he he wants to give people the choice. He wants to give people an opportunity to do the right thing, and you know the, they were never going to do it. It was never going to go down that way. He was going to have to, you know, destroy them and himself. And but I think it comes down to the fact that he killed so many people during the time war. Yeah. That he has to. Well, and certainly it is his only resolve. Certainly since meeting the master, mm-hmm. uh, he has developed this sense of, nope, I have to try. Because mm-hmm. we saw it, and, and you even mentioned it, you know, uh, with Donna, the first time the Doctor and Donna adventured together, he was all too willing to commit genocide and mm-hmm. wipe out the spider people. You know, and it was Donna that's like, you, you need somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be with somebody. You know, and little did she know that, you know, that somebody would be Martha and that somebody and their adventures would lead them to confront uh, another, you know, villain uh, in the Doctor's Rogue Gallery that would literally change his perspective on how he conducted himself, mm-hmm. and he would go from being the guy that's like, "Nope, this is the necessary thing I have to do, so I'm going to do it," to the guy that's l- willing to put his life on the line, this incredible, long-lasting life just to give another race the other, these other people an opportunity to right themselves to to correct a wrong if it were and part of me wonders if he thought that radigan had such a big ego that he thought i'm gonna do this but this little, little guy he's gonna jump in and like take over because he he wants to be mm. the star i i don't i mean it could be I don't think so. The everything that the doctor did, the the way he looked at them, I mean, he knew this was the end. He was saying goodbye to his two, you know, most recent companions and heading into the unknown. And then when he gets teleported back because of Radigan, you see that look of okay. Like like he was astonished, like that he did not plan for that. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's just my take on it. Um, 
But, and I like that. I like the idea that Radigan surprised the doctor mm-hmm. by being so selfless at the end, which, you know, in essence, that's what the doctor was doing. He was being selfless. He was they, willing to give himself up for the they sake They were going to do something else. clever with their lives. Right. <laughs> right. I, I, I just, I, I liked how, like, I did not like that character. Uh, and I was trying to figure out why, you know, why he was even in the show. Like he, he didn't seem all that important. We could have done this without that character. And then we get to that moment and you're like, okay, all right. You gave him purpose. You gave him this interesting, you know, out. And I kind of appreciated it, you know, showing that when people come in contact with the doctor and especially this uh, slightly altered doctor after his confrontation with the master Mm -hmm. that he's able to, uh, share that and impart that onto humans, uh, because that's a very human trait to mm-hmm. to ultimately to be selfless and to you know sacrifice oneself for the greater good uh, when given the opportunity. And you know, I'm glad that Radigan sort of went out a pseudo hero, uh, you know, for for a little bit. Yep, absolutely. I mean. It, it's what needed to happen. It was the right thing, considering that everything he had done. Um, if if there ever was a time to sacrifice yourself, look at everything you caused. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he got a little bit of revenge back, and we get to keep the doctor. So, yay. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> everybody's happy. Everybody um, wins. Yes. Because I, I wouldn't have been um, thrilled if he had survived. Like, honestly, yeah. like that guy still lingering around in the world would have probably not led to good things. So I'm glad that he went out. Yeah. When he went out in a blaze of glory for himself. So that's, that's good. That's good. Um, (laughs) Did you now? this was of course written by um, the same guy Moffat who wrote my favorite episodes, the doctor dances uh, and it's uh, and it's sidekick. Um, So did you happen to notice the little, uh, little, tidbit that reflected back on that episode to the doctor dances yes yeah i i loved the <laughs> I, I was i was gonna mention that i loved the because that that was such a creepy line and such a like <laughs> I, I i i think i even mentioned it in in the podcast but i you know i hadn't dreams about that <laughs> uh, so for him to turn to the unit guy and be like are you my mummy <laughs> like that was awesome that was great and it, it got me you know it got a nice laugh uh out of me for for that moment um, i openly chuckled i was like oh, oh yeah. there we go <laughs> but there is something else that happened that i've been sort of sidestepping because i wanted to okay. leave it because it is kind of a momentous thing all that right as donna is sitting in the tardis you know captured held captive in the santarum ship she there's a moment where there's this like break in the transmission that the doctor is you know in in code trying to basically warn donna hey i'm gonna Mm -hmm. contact you there's somebody else trying to contact her because you see you don't hear them but you see this person for a brief second mouthing the words Donna as if they're yelling it. And that was Rose. <laughs> anything, anything about this? Uh, you know, can we... Well, we've, we've briefly seen her 
Yes. Donna, Donna did interact with Rose. She, mm-hmm. she asked her to tell her mom before Rose turned to, towards us and then, mm-hmm. you know, walks away and disappears. Yeah. So any, anything that you can contribute to the greater good with all that fantastical knowledge that you have? Spoilers. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I was trying to get one of those. <laughs> Spoilers, sweetie. You'll get there. Uh, we're, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, it, it's got to come fast. But that's the, that's all the things that I noticed. Did I miss anything from this episode that I should have paid attention to? Um, no, not really. It was a pretty quick episode. Um, it, it seemed to really just wrap things up very nicely, tightly with a bow. Um, introduce <laughs> you to um, the Centauran. The Centauran, not gone. This is just one fleet of them um so be prepared to see them again um so keep your baked potatoes handy because they will be back uh very very interesting group of aliens um i like them i think they're fun um they're they're, like a proper villain without being like so dark and ominous and villainous that you like have to dread them. They're just like a proper villain. They're just bad. They guys. are. <laughs> they're, they are. And they're, you know, they're fun and they're uh, as, as like formal as they are, like it's kind of funny because they're kind of charming. Like, you know, we must be proud. And, oh, right. Okay. You're so cute little potatoes. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're just kind of a fun villain to have. You, you know what you're getting with a Suntarin? Yeah. You know what they say is what they mean. Um, they're not joking with you at all. And you know if you got a good tennis racket and a, a tennis ball, you know how to fight fight them. So there you're you fine. Um I don't know that I but, got that good a name with a tennis racket. So well now you know what you gotta practice. Or um, or I can be like Donna and just walk around with a mallet and just It's true. Well, and you know, on their spaceships, you got three fingers, so you're good to get into all their doors. <laughs> I um, love that she has to do the the Star Trek "Live Long and Prosper" to open the door. Uh, but I think it, it was just a really good wrap up um, for that two parter. Uh, that this episode seems to go by really, really quick, and you're like, it's done, and it's over, and um, what's happening next? Yeah, and I, uh, I enjoyed think- this episode because it was. You know, kind of like I mentioned last week, this felt like a good old just classic Doctor Who episode. You Very know, much so. There's slightly cheesy costumes. There's mm-hmm. slightly cheesy special effects. Which, you should have seen the original Centaurums if you think these are cheesy. Oh, I, I, I'd <laughs> love to go back. But like, it, just it... it I, everything about it just felt very like this is a Doctor Who episode. This is a proper Doctor Who episode. And this series is just going to pick up for you now. Like mm. it's it's going to be really hard for you to watch an episode a week because I started watching more <laughs> after this one. And I was just like, oh, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's going to get so good. Oh, I can't wait for him to watch all the rest of these. Um, so it it's just going to get really, really good after this. Mm. Um, so hold on to your seat because um, some of my favorite stuff is coming. Oh, well, that, that's such a perfect tease. I can't wait. But before we get there, let's, uh, let's hear, uh, as always, my favorite part of the show is the TARDIS tidbits 
as provided by Ashley. So Ashley, what do you have for us this week? This is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits for Series 4, Episode 5, The Poison Sky. When the doctor has his gas mask on and says, Are you my mummy? It's of course of reverence to the Series 1 episode's Empty Child, The Doctor Dances. Supposedly, this was an improv that David Tennant came up with on the fly because he'd forgotten his line. His wife, Georgia, however, has since debunked this, jokingly saying it's not true. But David has never commented it, so the rumor still persists. When she was being interviewed on The Jonathan Ross Show, Catherine Tate said she'd been filming these two episodes for two weeks before she realized there were actual actors inside the Santarin costumes. She'd assumed that the Santarans, quote, ran all in electricity. It wasn't until an actor removed his helmet that she realized her mistake. She stated that she, quote, freaked out and nearly died. In the scene where the doctor is taking a hammer to the atmospheric converter, David Tennant actually broke it on the first take. On the commentary for this episode, he said it split right down the middle, and the poor prop man had to put it together for the next take. If you look very closely along the red light, he says, you can still see the crack. At the very end of the episode, when the TARDIS takes off on its own, the camera pans to the hand in the jar, the hand that was cut off of the doctor in the Christmas invasion. On the commentary, Russell T. Davies says this is to show you that the hand has control of the doors. You might want to remember that hand in the jar. It may come back for something. And also according to Russell T. Davies, the quick cameo where we saw Rose in the viewfinder when Donna was watching the doctor talk to the Santarans was not in the original script of the episode. It was added just before the broadcast because of how successful her unbilled cameo in Partners in Crime was. And I love the fact that Donna thought that the Centaurum were like audio animatronics. <laughs> I love that fact. That's that such a Catherine Tate thing. Like, right? ha- having met her, and she's just, she's just so honestly just like a person who's just in awe of things. Like when she she realizes them, like she's just so cute and she's so sweet and just a honestly good person that i can totally see that (laughs) i mean just the idea is like i could see her maybe thinking there were puppets but like oh no they they're audio animatronics they're running electricity (laughs) and then they think they're at all and she's like oh you're a person (laughs) oh you're just a short person oh dear goodness i love that i love that idea just such an innocent and uh, Ashley mentioned a little bit of this, but uh, again, I sidestepped it until the end of the episode because I figured I'm going to get another one of uh, my favorite lines. But Martha is stuck on the TARDIS with Donna, and we saw the bubbling, you know, uh, thing uh, from you know the, the Doctor Who version of Thing. Yeah, his, you know, hand. his fighting hand, or no, that that was the regular hand. The one that he regrew was his fighting hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it just takes off and that's it. And and he's not controlling the TARDIS. So she decided to take him somewhere, huh? 
Where are they going? Why are they going there? What's going on? Mm. I don't understand. And and the hand is it is the hand going to start snapping? Do 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 do. No, it's exactly what it's going to do. That's exactly in the water though, so it'll be not as audible. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, just just you wait. No. Just you wait. I if every episode this season is going to end in a cliffhanger, I I don't know if I might have to move to the podcast to a biweekly podcast because oh goodness. I cannot wait until next week. Honestly, thinking ahead to all the stuff that you're, you're going to see in the next, uh, this, this series, Mm -hmm. it, it's going to change your life. This series, the, 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 the final episodes in this series are going to give you changes to your aspect of, of how you see Dr. Who Mm -hmm. going forward. Um, there are things that you are finally going to have answers to, which you have been waiting for. Um, there are more questions that are going to come up and you're going to go, what the, what the, what? (laughs) Um, and, uh, you're, you're coming up to my, my second favorite episode. Um, so that's fantastic because I'm super excited for that. Mm. Um, you're going to meet some amazing new characters. Like the end of this series is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's some of the greatest writing, greatest acting. Um, and I just can't wait to hear what you think about it. I can't wait to watch it. So until then, thank you very much for joining me this week. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, can't wait to be back. Oh, I I can't wait to have you back. And thank you, dear listener, for once again making it to the end of yet another exciting First Time Lord. As always, you can support the show by heading over to firsttimelord.com. There you can see all of our previous episodes. You can leave comments. And uh, I do encourage you to leave comments. I want to hear from you. Uh, what do you like about the show? What don't you like about the show? Uh, I, I really want to hear more from fans of the show. So please leave your comments there. While you're at firsttimelord.com, we have a couple of uh, options for you to help support the show. One, you can visit our merch shop, which has some awesome t-shirts and cases for phones and whatnot. Uh, or if you don't want to buy merch but still want to support the show financially you can click on the patreon link that will take you to our patreon page or you can search for daniel levain on patreon and you can support the show that way by becoming a subscriber Uh, but more importantly just share the show if you like the show if you like doctor who and you have somebody in your life that has never watched the show before get him on this show get him on doctor who Get them watching together and let's grow this community. Let's get more people like me that should have, for all intents and purposes, been watching this show a long time ago. Let's get them hooked on it now. But most importantly, just support the show by leaving comments. Uh, We do have a fan book or a fan page, I should say, on Facebook, uh, which is First Time Lord on Facebook. Um, But... I guess I have no time left at this point, but to get back on my TARDIS and get ready to find out where she's going to take me. 
See you next week, everybody. <laughs>